Welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now. I'm your host, Mike DiCibato, and today we have a bit of a different format for you. We're going to discuss one story, which is a Reuters report alleging that GE, Philips, and Siemens paid bribes in China to sell medical equipment. And then we're going to do two rapid-fire questions where my guests, Megan Eastman and Matt Muscardi, give their answers in short-fire succession. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Stay tuned. Megan, thanks for joining me in studio today. Always a pleasure, Mike. And so for our first story, Reuters reported that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is investigating whether Siemens, Philips, and General Electric use local middlemen to negotiate bribes with the Chinese government and hospital officials in China to sell medical equipment. And the companies are claiming that, look, it was middlemen, it wasn't us, uh, what can we do about this? Uh, They're denying all claims. So my question is, shouldn't these companies be held accountable to say we're not going to pay bribes? Of course they should. So, really? Should they? Yeah, I mean, they they must have to. Let me play devil's advocate. Like, why? Okay, Matt, look. If we're to assume incomes are rising in China, and because of those rising incomes, consumers are starting to demand more high-end products, and then if we also assume that GE, Philips, and Siemens are some of the most high-end manufacturers of the CT and MRI scanners that they got busted trying to bribe officials for to sell, then can't we also assume that they have huge leverage over the market at the moment, the Chinese market? Oh, I see. So you're suggesting that because there's rising demand for the better stuff, i.e. the foreign brands, that they can kind of use that weight to say, hey, you want our good stuff? You're going to have to operate in a clean way. Yeah. Why is that wrong? It's not wrong, but it's not real. Like you're you you're superimposing. I think I think we I think we're um, we're exaggerating the leverage the consumers actually have um, because in China do they and China is not is is a microcosm, right? Like in in any country in which corruption is is a problem. They're already putting the state over the citizen, in which case a company coming in and saying your citizens want the better stuff, you need to operate differently so that we can provide it to you. Do we think that that's a real thing? Would any... They put the economy over the people. It gets to a fundamental question to me. What is the role of a company in... A given economy is the company supposed to change the business practice of that economy yeah are they, claim they to do so. is what they claim to do and what they do are two different things well, let me rephrase is it the company's job to avoid a market or to limit its market access because of the nature of of that market or is it its job to change that market i mean i don't know that there's a right answer but that seems to be the question here right so maybe this is a little um pie in the sky or subversive or something but part of the allegations um, against these companies were not only that there was bribery associated with the sale of their products but that they colluded with each other 
to set prices high. Yeah, and, price and, rigging, yeah. Right, price rigging. And that the difference between the list price or whatever and the actual prices, it was, it was a big yeah. difference. And that went that was what went to pay the bribes. So if they can collude to rig prices, what's to stop them from colluding to not take bribes or not give bribes? Well, what's I, I also well, I mean, I, and this is going to make me sound like a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> You're they not? already collude. I mean, like the the banks colluded to set LIBOR prices, yep. right? Like happens all I, the time. Almost every interbank rate is a colluded rate, uh, like according to you know investigations, settlements. Um, I, I mean, there's already cyber LIBOR. Pick a bore um, in interbank rate, right? I think to think that they don't do this, I actually I would go in with the assumption that they that they're already colluding in some way to set prices, even if it's yeah, but it's like the consumer. not direct. It's the consumer that will drive that if they say we're not going to. Well, it's difficult if for the medical consumer doesn't have access to better products. Then does the consumer drive the choice? The consumer doesn't drives they they can demand better products, but if the oper- operating in China um, Matt, for doesn't allow for no, it. But for consumers, for consumer products, you can. Our consumer analyst in Shanghai wrote this report that we just published talking about the shift away from low-end Chinese products by people in China because they have more money due to rising middle class. And they want more alternative consumer products that are better for this consumer group and safer. And that is actually an incentive for the Chinese government to say, here's a ripe market for you, corporations. There's a whole consumer class who wants your stuff. So to get you want market entry, you want market access. That is the definition of the incentive to bribe. That's why they bribe. (laughs) Because the consumer doesn't have any power in actually stopping the bribery like stopping the action it's not they're not in like consumer choice isn't removing the incentive to bribe because consumers are saying we want ethical products they're saying they want more products more alternatives so companies are racing to get into the market and in order to shorthand their way into the market and fast track it whatever you want like to get in first get in fast they're actually incentivized to bribe. If investors want these products to be sold, because ostensibly that's all we talk about is investors only care about A, the bottom line, or B, the fact that their stock price is rising. So why would, it, why would investors have an incentive to stop corruption? Well, because there's a class of investors that recognizes the long-term implications of corruption, right? Like if the market, if there's systemic corruption in the market, like there was in South Africa or is to this day potentially, but definitely was, Right. Then it's costing the it's whole economy globally. Effectively, the government through, you know, systemic corruption is choosing a winner or a loser that may have nothing to do with the market dynamics. Um, the investors in one company may, you know, be happy that they have market access, but in, you know, any other may not. Um, there's a long term cost to the consumer as that the cost of that bribery often gets passed down to the consumer there, which means reduced sales or um, the, the incentives are not aligned. If you're a long term investor, corruption manifests as costs eventually. 
it's either cost to the economy in which you're invested in, the company that you're invested in that isn't in that market, or even the company that you're invested in that is in that market that's caught doing you know, corrupt acts or bribing officials or whatever the case may be. So here's a milder take on that, Matt, which is one of the things I looked at because I looked up our ratings and our assessments of these three companies, and they're all rated reasonably well. We score them pretty well on management of corruption risks. And obviously, that's not proving to be a fail-safe, but we we do see evidence in our research that some companies engage in a lot more corruption than others. And so is there actually a more gradual shift that might be happening as companies work to avoid it? Maybe they're engaged in less bribery this year than last year or than five years ago. And from an investor perspective, do people see less risk by investing in companies that have better, albeit imperfect, programs and risk management systems to get access to these markets? Well, I think let me. Well, let, let, what, what's your what's your take on that though? What do you, so if they're if these companies are doing better, is it because they're putting in better policies, they're getting better managers that say we're not going to take this stuff or? I think so. I don't think any of those systems, especially at big multinational companies with lots of subsidiaries that are on the ground in these markets, I don't think any type of management system can totally eradicate it when you're up against this on the ground. But I think it can reduce it. Mm -hmm. You think so too, Matt? Yeah, I I just, I I, I would ask why. Why do I think that? I think there's a chicken and egg, right? No, no, no. I mean, like, um, why why do they put those systems in place in the first place? I think the answer is like I, I think you uh, in some ways the reason why a company would do that in the first place is because investors are uncomfortable when they don't have it and they're operating in these countries. Yep, and sometimes because they got caught right, earlier. Right. Exactly. And that's the case exactly. with Siemens. Yeah. They've got best-in-class anti-corruption practices now, which are Obviously, we see are still not 100%, but they got nailed 10 or 11 years ago and had to follow up with that by cleaning house. But even when they get caught and there's a fine or the regulators force them to change, I think the stakeholder that's sort of driving change in a market is still the investor. So we're going to try a new section in this show where I give Megan and Matt two headlines and they give their quick one or two sentence response. Let's see how it goes. Let's get to it. So the U.S. federal government is trying to rein in the big tech giants, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, and Google, divvying up antitrust oversight to investigate whether they have stifled competition and hurt consumers. Megan, does the government have a chance to make this work? I actually was looking at these and I thought that maybe the more interesting thing is to look at their governance because at least two of these companies, Google, i.e. Alphabet, uh, and Facebook are really pretty heavily controlled by their founders. And, you know, you might be able to split that up and get some more independent oversight and address some of the problems that the government's raising. Matt? Uh, no. Yeah. They reigned in Microsoft in the 90s after a spat with Netscape, but but this is a brand new world, and the median age of the U.S. Congress is 60 years old. They first need to maybe figure out what Instagram is. For our next question, 
It was reported that Salesforce.com is barring its customers from selling guns on its retailer business software. Megan, will this move or impact gun policy and sales? I think this one is really interesting because over the last year, year and a half, we've seen the gun debate in the United States kind of shift banks get into the game. We're starting to see now Salesforce, which is a software company that's about selling to their customers' customers. I think this is something new. I think it's um, new, but a small part of a big movement that is the corporation as um, like it is the in in a void of regulation um it's the corporation uh, effectively tapping into social movement you're both crazy there was a man that was just arrested in california for making thousands of guns this is an issue that needs to be settled by policy not corporate action megan thank you so much for joining me today in new york happy Matt, to be thanks here as always later If you'd like to check out the report that we referenced about rising Chinese middle class, please check out the report by Jingmin Hu, Beyond Basic Needs, Rising Chinese Middle Class Demands Higher Product Quality. Uh, You'll have to be an MSCI ESG research subscriber to do that. If you aren't already that, get on it. And thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Please rate and review us if you liked what you heard. Or if you didn't like what you heard, we'd like to hear all feedback. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week and talk to you next week. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to and or received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.